welcome back to What We Don't Talk About. Today, I am going to go over the blog called Fear Not. My reference is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is in particular to the last several years, as we all have experienced all around the world, but it still resonates even now. As I sat at my desk at work, once again feeling the tightness in my chest right after I had gotten off a phone call that had taken me to the physical and mental point of stress, I realized that this thing had really been trying to dominate and take over my well-being and my ability to focus. About two years prior to this episode of anxiety, I experienced my very first panic attack after booking the tickets for my father's memorial service. It was the craziest out-of-control feeling I had personally ever had, and all I could do was pray, and I prayed loud at work, by the way, getting a lot of looks, but I didn't care. Several times after, especially at work, I had similar sharp pains, and they all were caused by stressful situations. It really troubled me to be dealing with something that I didn't even believe was real. The truth is, anxiety is very real, and so are panic attacks and PTSD. The lie is, fear has been given so many names that are rooted in the same cause, but are more acceptable and not so straightforward and obvious. The root is in fear, and fear has hidden itself behind these multiple names so that it won't be discovered and dealt with the way it needs to be. Some of these names are anxiety, depression, panic attacks, PTSD, flashbacks, concern, anger, OCD, worry, and prejudice are all products of fear. There are more, but these are some of the main ones that are literally killing and taking over people's lives right now, like never before. Not phobias. You can't tell me that arachnophobia will change a person's life, but PTSD will. You can't even tell me that discovering that someone has homophobia is going to really alter someone's will to live. But depression will. You might even say, Shirley, why did you throw the little ones that don't seem so so much to affect me that much like OCD and concern or worry? Because they do affect you and everyone around you. And they are not as small as they seem. They all fall under the same name of fear. Anything that rules your life more than God rules your life needs to be revealed and kicked out quickly. I know, I know. This was a hard one for me to swallow also. But once I called that thing by its real name, fear, and kicked it out, I was finally able to begin healing in some very painful areas where the fear had crept in. When I had that conversation with the Lord, He shed the light on what was hurting me. And although it wasn't easy to admit, being a woman of faith, that I had areas of fear in my own life, I had opened some doors in my life that now had to be shut, and they had taken a toll on my physical body as well. So now, not only were the doors needing to be shut, but now I had to heal and recover what was stolen through the avenues of fear. Fear not. It's a love command. 
every time an angel of the Lord spoke to someone, they first commanded them to fear not. Why? Because the people were overcome by their magnificent presence. But the angels didn't want them to be gripped by fear and lose focus on the message from the Lord that they were bringing. I know that even as a parent, I have had to command my children to calm down and not overreact so that they don't get overcome by their emotions. Our Heavenly Father is no different. What's the difference of being gripped or bound by fear and feeling or experiencing fear? We all have felt fear, or will at some point, where it comes in a moment, but when the moment is gone, the fear is also gone. That would be feeling fear. When fear comes and keeps coming in waves, whether massive or small, it takes hold or grips on because it becomes your main focus. Fear can be inflicted by someone or worked up within someone as well, but either way is destructive, just in some ways more subtle than others. The good news is that fear in any form doesn't have to be a part of who you are, and you don't have to stay bound to it either. Is it all really just as simple as that? It sure is. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Yes, it is a spirit, and it is very oppressive. But the good news about it is being a spirit is that, again, you can kick fear out of your life because it doesn't belong to you and you don't belong to it. Even when the feeling of fear attempts to hit you again with memories and flashbacks that trigger those familiar feelings. Those are the feelings that come from a trigger to a memory linked to a smell or taste. Remember? Just because it triggered you some, you some kind of feeling in you does not mean that it is you. I talked about love in my previous post or blog, and I will reiterate the scripture reminder that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. It's 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Chew this. You know, I have really chewed on this scripture a lot in my life, especially in the times I was in fear. And I always struggled with why I was not operating or being made perfect in love. I really actually got down on myself about it, kind of like a self-judgment thing. None of us do that, right? <laughs> Let me share with you the revelation of this scripture that really changed my whole perspective on what this is saying. What it is not saying is that I don't know how to love or show kindness. What it is saying is that if fear moves me more than love moves me, then I am choosing fear over love and allowing it to rule me instead. If fear rules me, I will act on my own behalf instead of someone else's. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. It's in John chapter 15, verse 13. 
Can you imagine where we would be if Jesus allowed the fear of going to the cross to rule him? And yes, he felt fear. He was touched with all our infirmities. Love ruled him. And that is why he laid his life down for all of us. Back to love. Let me give you another tool that works with love. Instead of against it, it fights fear at the same time. This tool is faith. And it's the exact opposite of fear. And it's powered by love. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith works by love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. I think we all know what circumcision in the natural is, but what it's really addressing here is the condition of the heart. Whatever actions you take without love, they are only actions and they carry no weight. They literally don't really matter. And if love doesn't move you or motivate you and faith that you may think you have won't work either. Okay now, take a deep breath because there's more. Story time. I'm going to tell you a little bit of story here. Before I met my perfect, I ran into the false version of what perfect was supposed to be. Yeah, I'm talking about an old relationship that I thought was the real thing. But there was something about this guy that I could never really click with, and that was his limit of love. Not just for myself, but just about every person he met. He had no problem bragging on himself, which of course was really a sign of his inability to love himself. But genuine compassion or care just wasn't his flow. This guy had so many things he wanted to accomplish in ministry, but really just wanted to be known and seen. He didn't care if he had to stand in someone else's light to do so. Crazy enough, throughout the whole relationship, I kept asking the Lord for a sign or anything that might show me if he wasn't the right one for me because of how blind we can be. He was someone who talked a great talk and really was so inspiring for missions and ministry. But when it came down to it, he was all just talk. And I'm not talking about whether he was actually doing what he said he was doing or going to do. What I am saying is that his heart wasn't really in anything he said. He had a lot of fear in him and had not yet been perfected in love, and he projected his fear and anger towards me and then wanted me to be his savior. I'm glad that I at least knew that I could not be that for him, and only God could fill that place. You see, he had great plans and desired to do the most, even to giving his life for Christ if necessary, but he wasn't motivated by love because he was still operating in fear. His faith could not operate with the fear and anger that had gripped his life. You can see now how love and faith go hand in hand, but they can't hold hands with fear. Love is the bridge to cross over into faith. And guess what? You need faith to operate in love. Now faith. It's another one of those words that people like to throw around without really understanding its mode of transport. You can't have real faith without love. And you can't have real love without faith. I know, I just threw another real in there. But there is always a false version, and let's just say temporary version, since it may be sincere, but it's not everlasting. So what is the temporary version of faith? 
It falls under the names of drive, motivation, inspiration, ambition, and many other names, which are all really great and important things to have in life, but they don't hold a candle to faith because these are all are usually humanly spurred from within a person or by another person, which can really take someone to the next level, but it will not take them all the way like faithful. But faith is putting all that drive, motivation, inspiration, and ambition in someone else that you can't physically see. Any relationship without trust or faith is no relationship at all. And trust or faith only works through love. I'm just going to say it. In God we trust is not just supposed to be written on our money. It needs to be written on our hearts. It's impossible to have a real relationship with God without faith or trust, just as it is in any other relationship of any value. Can you imagine staying in any kind of relationship where there is absolutely no trust or building of trust through communication? You talk to them and write love letters all the time with only fear, anger, and resentment as a response? Of course not. This is not a relationship at all. But this is how a lot of people try to have a relationship with God. They never read any of his love letters and then claim to know him and know his heart. Yet they also respond to him in fear because they don't know his love. Again, not a relationship. Even with family. When you are in a loving relationship, you are usually not spending much time apart because you want to get to know them more. And you love being in their presence. In Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is not a message to beat you down, but it is to wake you up. First, all you have to do is acknowledge and recognize that God exists. He is real. Second, you have to know or have faith that he wants the best for you and wants to reward you and give you gifts in response to you seeking him diligently. So here is where the big question comes in regards to trusting God that everyone in the world has probably had at one time or another, if you have lived long enough on earth to experience anything. Sometimes it's spoken, but most of the time it is thought. How can I have faith or trust in a God who sees all these horrible things going on in the world and yet he doesn't intervene? Well, I'm not going to give you an I don't know. Sometimes these things just happen answer. Although, yes, they sometimes just do. But they all still boil down to a choice that was made at some point in time, whether by ourselves or someone else. Choice. It's something that was freely given to us by our creator because he desired real relationship, just like we do. And he wanted us to be able to be in relationship with him of our own free will. God didn't want us to be robots and just obey his every command. He gave man the power to choose, and then he said, choose life. Our enemy, the devil, stole this freedom to choose when he got Adam 
and Eve to doubt their creator, opening the door to fear and doubt. The serpent planted the seed of doubt when he told them that God was keeping information from them so that they would not become like God himself. But the truth is that they were already made in his perfect image and likeness. God had already given them everything they needed to live in true freedom here on earth. That fear in the form of doubt though it seems so small, birth more fear in the form of doubt turned to resentment and anger to the point of murder. The relationship of trust and faith was evidently broken. The fruit of that first small choice led to another choice made from a place of doubt and resentment by Cain when he killed his brother Abel over an offering he was ashamed of. There are many more accounts throughout the Bible where people made choices based on fear and most of those choices led to death or loss in some form. It got so bad, and so few were choosing life over death that God did intervene. And because there was no redemption to save the world at this point in time, the flood was the only thing that would truly cleanse the world from all the evil that was in it. Up until this time, the only redemption available had been through the shedding of blood of animals. But even the animals were affected by the sin that was so rampant in the world then. Gotta be honest. With as bad as it's been in the whole world lately, I can't even imagine how bad it must have been then for the whole earth to be flooded. Wow. When the flood was over, it still wasn't completely over for the world. The animals and humanity. God made a covenant putting the rainbow in the sky as a promise to never flood the whole earth again. And he has kept that promise. With a fresh, clean start, but no true redemption yet through a Savior, sin, nature, again chose death over life and fear over faith. But God promised to send them a Savior, His Son, to make a way for the whole world to be saved from a certain eternal fire. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whomever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's John three sixteen through 17. God still loves the whole world, despite their rejection of someone they can't see. The truth is that even though you can't see him, you have evidence of him everywhere you go. And you can also feel the wind of his presence, especially when you seek him. But it takes faith, trust. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Beyond self. It generally doesn't take faith to clean your house or to get dressed and go to a job that you have been at for years or to drive yourself to places you go to all the time. Not usually, unless you have something that challenges you to do those things, either physically or mentally. Well, look at where everyone is today with all of our normal daily routines completely interrupted by a sudden lockdown. The whole world is frozen in fear because of an unknown enemy that threatens everything people normally have no problem doing. You might say, but we know the enemy is COVID-19. But the truth is we really don't know what it really is and what it really does or how to fix it. 
People keep searching for solutions to no avail, just to make people feel hope in a natural fix. We were all in a position where a natural solution is not readily available and foolproof. This is not just a headache that you can take aspirin or Tylenol for. It's beyond ourselves to fix any of this, no matter how hard we try in our own strength. We need an intervention, and Jesus already paid it, already paid for it all at the cross. Faith is something you need that goes beyond your own ability. It's something intangible where you can just, you can't make it happen, even with all the wealth and fame in the world. And you need a supernatural intervention. You need a miracle. What you also need is to realize that faith can operate even on a level of everyday life easing the burden and weight of being everything and doing everything in your own strength. But the reality is that most people won't trust or have faith in someone they can't see, much less than in someone they can see. I should say they won't have faith in someone they can see, much less than someone they can't see, especially when all is going well, or so it seems. I don't know if you have noticed yet, or if all your natural resources or options have run out quite yet, but the world is in need of a miracle. There the virus no one has quite figured out yet. There are earthquakes and tornadoes, cyclones and floods, fires and volcanic eruptions that are more rampant and unusual than ever right now. The whole world is reeling and people are gripped by the fear of this virus and now the rioting and taking of lives more blatantly and in the open, stream through social media and news more than we have ever seen. Why? Because it keeps coming in waves and more waves nonstop. The agenda of the devil himself is evident, just as a puppeteer directs his little puppets to play the role he is giving them. I dare say that almost everyone by now realizes that the days of Noah and the book of Revelation is definitely being played out in real time. Maybe not in the way we all imagined it would be, but yes, very strategic. Pump enough fear, pain, and hatred into people that when the solution comes, people will be so ready to be rescued that it won't matter how it comes or what freedoms they have to give up to have it. No, the mask is not the issue. Just don't allow fear to be the reason for wearing it. Because just a little bit of fear goes a very long way. Remember that faith cannot operate on the transport of fear. But let love guide you and let love move you to act in faith. This is, of course, the love of God that is being shed abroad in your heart that I wrote about in my previous post about love. We need to be people of faith operating in the love of God more than ever for a world that is being tormented right now to the point of people giving up and taking their own lives as well as others' lives. We are not here to hide out until it's all over and just pray that the Lord will take us out of here before it gets any worse. And he might because the time is very near, but we are called to be a light in the darkness. Can it get any darker? Yes, it sure can. But not if we all start shining brighter together. It's time for the church to bring our prayer closet to the forefront. Are you ready for the leap of faith or even just a step of faith? Build it. So you can't just conjure faith up or even just believe that you have it. 
You have to build your faith by reading and hearing the word of God and getting to know who God really is and how much he wants us to take hold of. You catch that? I said God wants us to take hold of his promises because he already sent his son to pay the price for and make a way once and for all people to be able to walk in complete and total freedom from the slavery of sin and the effects of sin as well. It's true, your freedom has already been paid for in full. Let the love of God be your guide as you step out in faith to break the bondage of fear for others wandering around in this darkness. Get ready to shine bright, church. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine.